Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We want to welcome in any new listeners who are joining us for the very first time. We're happy to have you aboard. For those of you who have been here from the start, you already know the drill. We live and die by this team just like the rest of you, and we make no apologies for that. So welcome in to another Bastards Roundtable episode where we talk about all things Red Sox and a couple of things around the league as well. I am your host, Jason Kelly, coming to you from Canton, Massachusetts. You can find me on Twitter at Color of the Iris. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining me on the show tonight from the City of Angels is Charlie Smith. Charlie, how are you doing? Ah, uh, you know, great. That's the first time I think I've had that introduction. City of Angels, that's, uh, that's a nice one. It rolls off the tongue nice. Uh, I wish we could have done something against the City of Angels, but unfortunately we kind of fell flat on our face. Yeah, just a little bit. Red Sox end up getting swept by the Angels, which uh, was not fun to watch for sure. Um, and they now find themselves fourth place in the standings in the AL East. We'll be talking about some standings. We'll talk about some pitching. Uh, this episode as well. Um, but like I said, you know, we're going to go around the league, look at some standings. Um, again, just face the Angels who aren't even on the top of their division. The Texas Rangers, oddly enough, are at the very top of the ALS, 31 and 18. They have the third best record in all of baseball, which I don't think anyone would have bet on going into this season. I don't, and I know you certainly wouldn't have, Charlie, because, uh, you, you're a big Angels guy, so pretty surprising out there. Pretty surprising indeed. Angels were my team three years in a row. Hopefully I don't get laughed at three years in a row, but that's that. Attention, Massachusetts and Connecticut listeners. We have an awesome limited time promo for new DraftKings users. Deposit and place a $5 wager on any sport to get $150 instantly added to your account in bonus bets. Win or lose, all you have to do is use our code BASTARDS at sign up to redeem. Using our code BASTARDS is a great way to support the pod. So if you don't yet have a DraftKings account, do us a solid and sign up with code BASTARDS and place that first bet. New customers only, 21 plus, and physically present in Massachusetts or Connecticut. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-327-5050. Valid. One offer per customer, minimum. $5 deposit and $5 wager required. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. See full terms at DraftKings.com. All right. Well, like I said, we're going to talk some standings, but we're going to start with pitching, and we're going to start with Red Sox pitching. Um, Coming off the news this week that, as Alex Cora announced, Corey Kluber is officially moving to the bullpen. This is uh, due to Garrett Whitlock coming off the IL. He's going to rejoin the team. He's going to pitch on Saturday this weekend. So the Red Sox rotation right now is Sale, Paxton, Bayo, Whitlock, and Hauk. Nick Pavetta and Corey Kluber are now in your bullpen. Um, Kluber, you know, was supposed to be a supplemental signing this offseason, one year, 10 million, and it's been a complete disaster so far he's two and six with an era of 6.26 his last start was definitely one to forget against san diego uh only gave a one earned run but really it was just five runs and two and a third core pulled him just couldn't bear the sight anymore as you know many fans would agree we couldn't stand to see him either so Corey kluber is now officially in your bullpen but Again, like we all see that as a positive sign or as a positive move, but that's $10 million that you're sending to your bullpen. And, you know, Garrett Whitlock, yeah, he's rejoined the rotation. Look, I've made it pretty clear. I don't think Garrett Whitlock is a starter long term. I just don't. I don't I don't think he has the durability to do it. Tanner Houck had a really good start this week, so he earned his spot in the rotation for now. But what if he gets blown up his next start? You know, he's another guy that might be better in the bullpen in the long term. We don't know for sure. James Paxton, his start against the Angels wasn't that great. His first two were good, but this last one wasn't great. So I think beyond 
Sale and and even Sale, who's been great so far, and you know, after a rocky start, has really stabilized. I mean, all it takes is for him to you know trip on a banana peel, and he's going to go back on the IL. Brian Bayo looks really good, looks like your best pitching prospect, but has been inconsistent at times. So you're moving Corey Kluber to the pen, but your rotation still isn't all that stable, and. That contract is looking more and more like an albatross by the day. So, Charlie, what are your thoughts on Kluber, the decision to move him to the pen, and do you think he stays there the whole season, or do you think something else happens? So, Kluber's on borrowed time. Uh, This was another, like, $10 million donation. Last year it was James Paxton. And he's parlayed that into two good starts, followed by a little bit of a clunker. But I'm going to give that a pass because the first two, he came out far exceeding anyone's expectations, um, allowing just a couple of total earned runs and struck out 14 over the first two. Yes, the ZRA took a, a bit of a hit. But I don't want to just focus on Corey Kluber so much as I want to focus on Corey Kluber and Nick Pavetta, two guys that we expected and anticipated to be able to be key cogs in our rotation and Pavetta started the year off. Great. Only one earned run in the first two starts, 10 innings, one earned run. His ERA since then 7.64 as a starter, 7.64. That is not a starter. I don't care what you say, who you are, what you believe you are, what questions you understand and don't understand. Yes, Nick, I'm talking about you and your post game BS. I, I can't get behind you until you figure it out. And even against the Angels in in a relief appearance, you also got, you know, borderline, you know, slapped around. Corey Kluber really, really labored in his last start. And if it wasn't abundantly clear that he's just not the old Corey Kluber that we were really, really hoping to get, we were paying $10 million for a guy whose numbers we are wishing was 2018-2019 Corey Kluber. That's not the Corey Kluber that we're getting anymore. This is a guy who threw 40 pitches in the first inning and committed an error, which is the reason why he didn't have five earned runs. He only had one earned in two and a third. So it actually lowered his ERA from a 6.41 to a 6.26. He's still just not there. He's not blowing anyone away. He's giving up home runs at will. He's just not a starter anymore. It, it's it's kind of a surprise that he's still in the rotation, and uh, it's just par for the course with the Red Sox giving everyone a leash the size of Wisconsin. Uh, it's it's going to be, you know, we saw this with Matt Hall, Garrett Richards, Corey Kluber, guys that were getting ridiculous leash, and this is just another one. You know, there's always one every year. Unfortunately, with the Red Sox, it's, it's one pitcher and one hitter that just get – 162 games to prove themselves before we say, darn, it just didn't work out. But it took you the whole damn season. So I'm really curious to know how much time he has left. I mean, you have really seven starters. Five are in the rotation right now. Garrett Whitlock shouldn't be in the rotation, which should present at least an opportunity for Kluber and or Pavetta to fight for that fifth spot. I hate Whitlock in the rotation. I've never been a fan of it. We broke Whitlock. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. We broke him. It's just, it's infuriating because it's only a matter of time before he, you know, goes five and a third and doesn't strike anyone out again. Get Willock, sure, can be a starter if you absolutely need him to do it, but he's not a starter. He can be a starter. He's not a starter. There's a difference. So it hurts to say it, but, you know, the start of the year, our pitching was great. Our offense was awful. Uh, excuse me. Our, our pitching was, was okay. Our offense was great. And now everything's flipped dramatically our offense is disappearing and our pitching is doing okay, but not great. And because of that, it's allowing for these teams that are doing, you know, average work like the angels. They're not the best team in the AL West, but they're sweeping the Red Sox and it's not even close. Jason. So I would love to know from the Red Sox fans who took their pants off for the Corey Kluber signing. Um, last year he went 10 and 10. He made 31 starts with Tampa, 10 and 10 with an ERA in the mid to high fours, right? Nick Pavetta does the exact same thing every single year. Would you give Nick Pavetta $10 million to be on your team? 
No. And and like even even the most pro Bloom pro Kluber guy would say, no, I wouldn't give Nick Pavetta ten million dollars. So why is it okay to give it to Kluber, who's basically who basically last year did the same thing Pavetta's been doing, and people have been clamoring for Pavetta be out of the rotation for a long time. What did Corey Kluber do to earn ten million dollars? And like I get it, it's a one year deal. A lot of people say, well, it's one year. Who cares? Well. It matters when that's just dead money sitting on your active roster, taking up a spot. Because the thing is, it's not just that he's not that good. He's not functional. He can't do anything. Would you trust Corey Kluber coming out of the bullpen? No. If you were up by 10 runs, maybe. But how often is that going to be? So just because you move him to the bullpen doesn't mean that you fix the problem. You just put a Band-Aid over it. You still have a $10 million pitcher on your active roster taking up a spot who has nothing. He's done. He's cooked. He offers you nothing. Like, you know, I compared him to Garrett Richards. Garrett Richards gave you value when he went to the bullpen because he could still throw in the upper 90s and still had a little bit of something. Now, he was still, you know, garbage and a waste of time and, you know, we were all happy to see him go. But for a little stretch there, he was good out of the bullpen. Is Corey Kluber going to be good out of the bullpen? I sincerely don't think so. This guy, his first innings, look at his first innings. You know, walk, walk, hit. You know, he's he can't locate. He's throwing 86-mile-an-hour slop. He has nothing left. And this goes to the front office. It's like, what did you see from this guy that made you think, yeah, give him $10 million. He, he's going to be worth it. What did you see? Because if that's what you saw, like if the Corey Kluber we've been seeing, if that's what you looked at, then you're a horrible judge of pitching. This guy's not worth $10 million. He's not worth any contract. So, you know, okay, you move him to the bullpen, fine. I, I agree with you. Garrett Whitlock, I'm, I'm not convinced he's a starter. Tanner Houck. I'm not all the way there. I'm a little bit closer now because he's looked good. You know, he's looked better lately, but, you know, I'm still not all the way there. James Paxton, I love how, like, all of a sudden now people are like, oh, well, you can't take Paxton out of the rotation. Oh, no, his spot's guaranteed. Why? Because of two good starts? Really? Two good starts? And now, oh, oh no, can't take him out. Like, your, your rotation is still kind of a mess. And... You know, Bayo, I, I hope to God he takes a step forward. But if he starts to go backwards or regress, and if Sale starts to regress, you're in big, big trouble. And beyond that, your bullpen now is made up of four guys, Paxton, or sorry, Kluber, Pavetta, Crawford, Winkowski. Four guys who were orig- originally billed as starting pitchers, they're in your bullpen now. And I know the Bloom people love to talk about depth. Depth is like their favorite word. You say the word depth around them, their pants just go right down. It's it's their favorite word. They love depth. Depth is great. Oh, the depth. Oh, my God. So much depth. Oh, Kluber going to the bench, just more depth. Okay, but, like, you have four starters in your bullpen. That's not functional. That's not what you're supposed to do. That's not how you build a bullpen. So. It just, the whole Kluber thing, the contract, I get it. Like, I get the the counterpoint of like, well, why do you care? It's not your money. Well, I care if it prevents them from making other moves because there's this $10 million albatross who throws 85 miles an hour who doesn't do anything. So it's just another failure. And it's another guy that it's like, the Bloom people hate the term dumpster diving. Oh, he doesn't dumpster dive. No, no, no. Yeah, the Kluber was dumpster diving. Garrett Richards was dumpster diving. James Paxton might still be dumpster diving. Again, he's had two good starts. Like, you know, let's let's sit the pants back up and let's see what he's doing in July. So it's just a it's a weird thing with like the identifying pitching outside the organization. It's not going well so far. And moving Kluber to the bullpen is a band-aid, and it just all it does is cover up a much bigger problem. 
with yeah. the Red Sox pitching staff. And I, I don't, I don't think it's going to make it any better. Yeah. You know, it's almost like when you said, Oh, what did they see when they saw packs? And it's like, everyone's computers froze at 2018. Like, Oh wow. What a steal. 10 million. Since 2018, when Kluber was a 20-game winner, struck out 200-plus guys for the fifth year in a row, I'm looking at it, which is just mind-blowing because I didn't know it had been this long. He has 19 wins in five years and 22 losses in the last five years, including what we've seen so far this year. He has not been able to really do anything except for 2022, if you can call it a call it like a great year. He still was not the same pitcher that he once was. He's 37 years old. What were we expecting from Corey Kluber to begin with? I wasn't jumping and chomping at the bit when uh, <laughs> we signed Corey Kluber, but I distinctly remember earlier this year during the offseason where Haim Bloom had said that starting pitching, and I laugh when I say this not intentionally, but I laugh because I don't know how you say that straight faced. That starting pitching was a position of depth. On what planet do you think that that is a valid comment? And here's the thing. So Jason and I, last year, we got to do our show together with Terry. The three of us, we had a grand old time. Great show to listen to. I had a blast. Uh, I think we aligned on quite a bit of stuff. And I still think we're very aligned on a lot of stuff. Which is probably why we're not on the show because it sounds like the same voice twice. But I actually do believe in, in Tanner Houck. I really do believe in him as a starter. So I say 95% because 5% will differ. I have to believe that James Paxton is going to be a starter. I have to at this point. Sale, I'm also saying, and I've been saying for several weeks, Sale is back. He's back. He's angry. He's fired up. Yes, an injury can happen, but you know what? That can happen to literally anybody. We're seeing pitchers go down in record number for Houston, for Tampa Bay, for a lot of the teams that we thought were just going to run away with. Actually, I shouldn't say Tampa Bay. We thought they were going to run away, but the Houston Astros, a lot of people pick them to win every, every year just because, you know, regardless of cheating scandals and whatever people don't forget, they're always, they're a very well-constructed team. However you want to look at it. If we're to look at the Red Sox right now and say that, you know, our starting pitching is completely screwed. We are in trouble. We're not great. And, and, and Jason is absolutely right here. Paxson has had two good starts and one clunker. We didn't really provide him any offense. We didn't really do many favors. Chris Sale's been doing pretty well for the last month plus. I'm going to give him a check. Garrett Whitlock is just coming back after having not pitched for a month and probably should not be in our rotation. Question mark there. Brian Bayo. He did well against the Angels. I got to watch that game. It's why I wanted to see him play. Both runs he allowed were by way of solo home runs. One was in the first and uh, second home run. I forget who it was, but it doesn't matter. Like he's, he's doing better and he's exceeding the expectations of what our starting rotation has been able to do. Pavetta is out. Kluber is out. Kluber, like you said, was a Band-Aid. I think that's actually being kind I don't know what level. Honestly, if you want him in the bullpen, get rid of Blyer. He's a zero. Get rid of him. He's not doing anything. You're replacing one zero with another. I do like Corey Kluber. I like him. I think he's a good guy. But unfortunately, I think his time has just come. And that's that's the sad part about it. You brought up a really great point, one that we've not really talked about, at least on our side of things, is the names that you mentioned in your bullpen were all original starters. And they're not starters right now. We have only had one guy come up the pipe that has been a formidable starter. And that's Brian Bayo. Everybody else has either flamed out, joined the rotation, or been traded away for other parts, and then has been converted to a reliever, a closer, or no longer in baseball. We just do a horrible, horrible job of developing pitching. We are not a pitching factory. If we were one-fifth or one-fourth as good as Tampa Bay, we would have had at least one consistent starter for the last two decades. We don't even have that. Chris Sale, by way of trade. James Paxton, free agent acquisition. Garrett Whitlock, Rule 25, oopsie by the Yankees. Brian Bale, only guy. Tanner Houck, I don't even remember how we got him. I, I can't even remember. Jason, you might I, Yeah, I can't even remember. But if you look back in time... Tampa Bay drafts really good pitchers. And then also they're able to 
revamp and recreate these guys that were nothings. So I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm struggling to say that our, our rotation is completely screwed because if we lose either Sale or or, or Hauk or Bayo, then yes, we are absolutely screwed because you cannot survive without three good starters. Right now, I think we have one to two. And that's why we're able to win two or three out of five on a consistent basis. But if the hitting's completely lethargic, you're going to win one out of five if you're lucky. Uh, Jason, anything else you want to add? So Tanner Houck was originally drafted by the Blue Jays. Wasn't even a Red Sox. There we go. So there you go. Brian Bayo was an international signing. So good signing, but not even a draft pick. I mean, yeah, right. And if we talk about money, right? So the Bloom people like to say, well, again, like like I mentioned before, Corey Kluber's making $10 million. Well, why do you care? It's not your money. Okay. If we don't care about money, then let's ask this question. What's a better value? Corey Kluber, one year, 10 million, or Michael Waka, four years, 26 million, who right now is, let's see, oh yeah, five and one with an ERA under four. Or, okay, maybe not Michael Walker. What about Nathan Avaldi? Two years, $34 million, so he's making $17 million, just like he did when he was first here, who right now is 6-2 and two with an ERA of 2.6. He's on fire. He's one of the biggest reasons why the Rangers are in first place. What's the better value? If we don't care about money, then why, do you, why would you care about, why wouldn't you want to bring back Nathan Avaldi, who pitched well here? was a good fit here. I think wanted to be back here, but because he's making 7 million more than this bum Corey Kluber, you didn't want to bring him back or Michael Walker, who is making much less than Corey Kluber, but because it's a four year contract, suddenly that's like the worst thing in the world. I don't get that logic. I, I hear all the time that the anti Walker people being like, he's a regression candidate. I wouldn't have given him four years. It's going to age badly, blah, blah, blah. Okay, maybe it ages badly. Maybe the last two years of the contract, he's not that good. He's only making, what, six and change? Who cares? Corey Kluber's making $10 million and he's a zero this year. And you're a contending team. So it just, you know, if, if we suddenly don't care about money, then it's safe to say that money could have been used better. You could have brought back Ivaldi for $17 million, and he might be pitching lights out for you. You could have brought back Waka. Yes, it would have been a longer-term contract for a guy who's a little bit older. You know, not as old as Corey Kluber, I'll point out, but yeah, older. But he's pitching really well. These are two guys that if they were in your rotation, the Red Sox might be on top of their division. But you let him walk, and instead you're like, no, Corey Kluber, one year, $10 million. That's better value. How does that make any sense? Yeah, so just to talk about Ivaldi, I mean, you brought up two great points again. I mean, you've been you've been doing it all night. Ivaldi leading the league in innings pitched, has a six and two record with a two point six ERA. He's the same number of wins this year through ten starts as he did all of last year with the Red Sox in twenty appearances. So you got that. You brought up Waka already. Waka's five and one with a, a similar ERA to what he had last year. 358 last year was a 332 he was 11 and 2 all of last year is going to have a lot more opportunities for better run support in San Diego when Manny Machado comes back and Juan Soto decides to remember how to hit the ball because when he hits it it's like 500 feet every time I, I, I'm thinking about this like okay cool if if you're trying to make a case like we didn't want to spend and overpay for pitchers right now because we wanted to look forward to the free agent class of 2023, let's go over some of those names. Cookie Carrasco, old, I don't want him. Mike Clevenger, mutual option, not a guarantee. Cobb, club option, no. Cueto, no. Flaherty, I don't know if I want to take a chance on that arm because he's just not consistent enough. Lucas uh, Giolito, Maybe, but I'm pretty sure he signed a long-term deal. I thought he did. I might be mistaken, so I, I missed that one. Uh, Sonny Gray, no. Zach Rinke, old. Andrew Heaney has an opt-out, no. Hendricks, no. Rich Hill, for round four, no. Clayton Kershaw, he'll finish up as a Dodger. 
what you're hearing is a bunch of people that are either old, got club options, just not going to get it. It's just not going to make it work unless the long-term goal has been to sign Shohei Otani and bring him to Boston. And that's been kind of a, a rumor for a little bit. Oh, that's why the Red Sox signed uh, Yoshida to try to get Otani here. Well, Otani went to the Angels because there were no other Japanese players there. He wanted to be the only one, and that was it. And now there's been the scene with Yoshida and Otani joining hands and you know talking and whatever, and people posting, oh, yeah, Yoshida's just welcoming the future Boston Red Sox. Are the Boston Red Sox all of a sudden, after four, four years, five years of not spending big money, trading away Mookie Betts, all of a sudden saying, yes, we will open the doors and bring out the red carpet for $500 million worth of Shohei Otani? Really? I just don't see it happening. I don't have the 2024 free agent class in front of us, but I think we absolutely botched the starting rotation situation. Not once, but twice. You blew it with Ovaldi and you blew it with Waka and you decided to parlay that by getting Kluber. And it's just, you you struck out twice, essentially. So the fact that we're, you know, 26 and 24, I believe, and tied for fourth place, nine and a half games out of the AL East, pretty much a blessing because we're also dealing with a, a crap load of injuries too. The the 2024 class, it's really three pitchers that headline it. Otani's the biggest one. It's Aaron Nola, and it's Luis Severino. Which, those are good pitchers. But I agree with you. It's like, why all of a sudden would the Red Sox go head over heels for a free agent pitcher? They're not going to do it. Certainly not for Otani. I, look, I got a newsflash. If you're a Red Sox fan and you think there's any hope of Shohei Otani signing with Boston, sorry. No way. No way. First of all, he's probably going to be in the West Coast. Second of all, he's probably going to make $500 as a start. The Red Sox are not going to sign him to that. They would have to go over the luxury tax, and they've proven they've been hesitant to do that in the past, and it's just that those, those days are done. And the Red Sox typically don't do it for pitching either. If they bust out a big contract, it's for offense, not pitching. So um, Otani, Nola, Severino, they're not signing any of those guys. So once again, you know, looking at 2024 is looking ahead, but like you're not getting one of those top three guys. You're going to get one of the bottom feeders. It's going to be like, like you mentioned, like Granky. If Granky wants like one more year, That'll be the the dumpster dive that that Bloom does. They'll give him like eight and a half million dollars for a year, you know, and and they'll say, oh, well, he's got really good stuff and he's a grizzled veteran or blah blah blah, and he'll come here and he'll stink. It's just their their approach to free agent pitching is so bad, and it's been so bad for a long time. Um, like you mentioned earlier, they don't develop pitching, and most of their pitching comes from trades. They have to trade for guys that. You know, teams already identified and developed. They don't sign them and they don't draft them. So it's just, that's the way it's going to be. So 2024, you mentioned Aaron Nola. I like Aaron Nola. I do like Aaron Nola. And uh, there's two players that I'd be curious, like what do you think it would take to sign an Aaron Nola who will be 31 next year? And then what do you think it would take to sign Julio Urias, who's 26, going to be 27, also a free agent at the end of 2023. So the Red Sox have, you know, we blew it for those B minus C plus tier guys that have, have boosted their value by going into the B plus B range of Native Aldi and Michael Waka. But what do you think? If, I mean, we didn't get Kevin Gausman. We didn't get, um, oh my God, the the White Sox pitcher that ended up Carlos Rodon. Uh, we didn't get him. And there were a couple other names that are, you know, they're right there. Robbie Ray, thank God we didn't get because now he's injured. He's done for the year. But imagine if the Red Sox did take it seriously and say, you know what? We're going to blow everyone out. We're going to show everybody that we're serious about being contenders. You know, right now we're the 12th highest paid 
you know, with the 12th highest payroll. And we're going to try to get back into the top five and top four because we know we owe it to our fans. We owe it to our team to take this seriously and going full bore for Julio Urias and Aaron Nola. You still have Chris Sale. You know, forget about Pavetta. Forget about Kluber. Forget about some of these up. Paxton probably done at that point. You bring in those two guys and you have Urias, Nola, Sale, Hauk, and then whoever the hell you want for your fifth starter at that point, probably still Bayo, I would hope. That's disgusting. And you you may not need to have crazy superior uh, hitting if you have those guys in there because some teams build around their pitchers and their hitting just doesn't really exist. Pittsburgh, I believe this year, has the most one-run victories in Major League Baseball. And at one point, their run differential in those other games was like minus 20 or minus 18. And they're doing incredible. Without their superstar shortstop, O'Neill Cruz, who broke his leg at the start of the season, uh, and a couple other players that they just they they just didn't have. They have a ridiculous closer. But, I mean, I would love to see the Red Sox do something like that. At least pretend like you're trying to compete. Yeah, the, the problem is it's going to be one or the other. The right. Red Sox will never get both. You know, if right. you're talking Nola and Urias, it's you got to pick one. Um, I would I'd prefer, probably the younger one. Well, I would prefer Nola. Urias scares me a little bit. He's young, okay. but he doesn't throw hard. His stuff is like, you know, sub 96. Like it's, you know, not that that's everything, but he's had a tough year too. Like he's getting hit this year. Um, yeah. I wonder if he's, runs. yeah, I wonder if he's just regressing a little bit. The Dodgers have used him a lot. I mean, he, he came up early. They used him out of the pen in those World Series runs and, his usage has, has been quite a lot. Now, Aaron Nola's got a lot of mileage on him, too. But Aaron Nola is a big, like, breaking ball changeup guy. So I don't care that he doesn't throw velocity. He, you know, he does it other ways. Um, so I would prefer they go after him. But I just, I don't have faith in the Red Sox and where they want to put their money that, like, I don't think they're going to get any of those guys. I think that what you're going to see is. I think you're right. Yeah, Sadly, I, think, I think you're right. I think the the American League, like other American League teams, will get them. So the league around you will load up on, you know, like maybe the White Sox get Nola, maybe Urias goes to the Angels, like whatever it is. But I don't think the Red Sox want to spend on pitching. That you know, when they do, it's stupid one year, ten million dollar contracts to overaged, washed up bums. Because right. oh well, you know, the analytics say that he's his cutter is blah blah blah. No, like. It's just, it's not going to work. So the one thing going for them is that Bayo, Hauk, Whitlock are all cheap, under team control, and might develop into something. Might. You know, I, I'm not willing to give any of them the, the absolute go-ahead that, yeah, they're going to be studs. But that's it. Because sales going to be done soon. Like you said, Paxton, it, after this year, he's gone. Kluber, he's gone. Pavetta, he's gone. You know, Winkowski, you've already turned into a reliever. So that might be it for him. Cutter Crawford, I, I'm not a big Cutter Crawford guy. I, like, I think he's a back end of the rotation guy on bad teams, if anything. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not on the Cutter Crawford uh, love train like everyone else is. So, and you have nothing in the minors. You've got that one kid, Shane Drohan, who just got promoted to AAA. That's your one standout pitching. Person. One guy. Yep. One guy. Yep. And he might go to Worcester and get lit up. Who knows? Maybe he's just really good in double A and goes to triple A and boom, gets lit up. We don't know yet. We'll right. see. Right. But that's it. So, you know, the, the Corey Kluber contract and, and everything that happened with that is just a further example of this team's approach to pitching is still completely out of whack. And you can fawn over free agent pitching all you want. I don't think they're going to go after any of them. I, I don't. Yeah. I mean, we have the 12th highest payroll on paper, but I mean, Trevor Story hasn't played. That's 20 million right there. Uh, you know, Kluber probably not going to be on the team. That's another 10 million right there. A couple other names that have been injured. Duvall injured 7 million. You're finding 
glaring spots of just why are these people getting money? You look at it. Blyer's getting three and a half million. For what? Why are you paying this guy three and a half million? You can find 10 bums on the street, major league minimum, and they could probably do the same same level damage. So that's 40 million right there. Your payroll's 181. Drop that to 140. Where does that put you? Your bottom 10 teams in baseball, as far as like spend, 141. I don't even know. Let's see, 141. What is that close to? Well, first off, that's like half of the Yankees. But I mean, here's the thing. Tampa Bay and Baltimore are the 28th and 29th highest payrolls, and they have the top two teams in baseball. If that isn't just a mind you-know-what, I don't know what is. I really don't. The Red Sox are 181 right now. The The Orioles are at 60. We're three times higher, and we're nine and a half games behind the, the, the leading Tampa Bay Rays. So – it, it, it's it's mind blowing what some teams are doing. Like the Moneyball thing works for some teams, and I mean, you see the Mets, two hundred and seventy million dollars more than the Orioles. the The worst team, obviously, the team's not spending anything is the Oakland A's, and they're not even going anywhere. So, the Red Sox need to. We were never a team that that played the Moneyball way. Like we were never the team that just didn't spend. We always spent. We always we got Manny Ramirez. We got Kurt Schilling. Pedro ended up coming over, and that was like considered a crazy move way back in the day. We've always been a team that's made crazy trades. We've unloaded on prospects, and we have a GM, president of baseball operations, that doesn't want to let go of any of his toys. He doesn't want anyone else to play with his toys. And here's the thing. We make fun of some of the deals that have gone through uh, and, and some of them that have worked out, not panned out. The Mookie Betts one, people can say whatever they want about that one. That was either get what you can or get nothing. So we got something, and that was that. But I, I think back at the deal where we gave away Travis Shaw and three other prospects, two of them were highly touted for uh, – uh, oh, my God. I'm escaping his name because it's so late here. I can't think. Uh, Tyler oh, Thornburg. Thornburg, Thorn, yeah. right? And yep. Thornburg ended up being an absolute nobody. Travis Shaw had one good year. We ended up trading him to make way for Rafael Devers. And the other prospects, Mauricio Dubon's in the league. No one else is there anymore. That's it. So we got rid of four pieces to get one. We took a chance. It didn't work out. Guess what? Bloom's not taking any chances. And you're not losing anything, but you're not gaining anything. And right now, we need to gain because we're getting slapped. And I don't like getting slapped. Not, not like this anyway. You know. So we, we, need, to, we need to pull the fingers out and, and really just think of something different because right now, it's, it's just not working. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, two things real quick before we move on. Um, the Blyer for Matt Barnes trade, is that starting to look like a bad one? Because Matt Barnes, not too bad with Miami so far. ERA under four, you know, 21 games. He's he's holding it down. Richard Blyer looks like he barely belongs in the league. Again, like he's like left-handed Corey Kluber. He goes out there and throws slop and gets slapped around. So that's another one where you kind of go, was that a bad deal? Do we put that in the bad deal column? Matt Barnes was done in Boston. Uh, we weren't going to give him any more opportunities here. I don't think anybody in Boston wanted to see him come out after we gave him a – we gave him a, some, a stupid deal. It was like two years, $17 million or two years, $18 million. I forget what the money was on it, but it was dumb because it was right when he was – like striking out two or three guys, and then they started checking the spin rate. And then Matt Barnes couldn't throw his curveball anymore. And he got tuned after appearance after appearance after appearance. I don't miss Matt Barnes. I do wish him well. We had a good time while he was here. It is what it is. He was like a unique guy that was like a really good reliever but could never really hack being a closer and he's never had a sub three ERA. It's always been like three, five, four. So if he's if his ERA is under four right now or three, five, whatever, he's pitching to the norm. Blyer just got overpaid. That that was just a stupid trade. Again, three and a half million, just another donation. Him and Kluber, almost fourteen million for two players that are just doing nothing. Zilch. Yep. And you know the 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 other thing is you you brought up Baltimore and Tampa, low payrolls. They did it different ways though. Baltimore just sucked for, you know, a decade plus. They just intentionally sucked and got high draft picks. That's how they got Rushman. That's how they got Grayson Rodriguez. 
all those guys. Tampa has never sucked. They've always been in it, and That's they true. still produce McClanahan. They still get guys like Yandy Diaz. They still produce Wander Franco. So, you know, the whole idea with Bloom is, oh, we got a guy who was in the Tampa system. Like, he's going to bring that culture over here, and it's, you know, that's what it's going to be. Did you pluck the wrong guy in that organization? Because I'm not seeing it so far. Like, again, Tampa contends and still produces young talent. Uh, right now, Bloom has, what, Marcelo Mayer on his record, which, okay, again, you sucked that year, so that was easy. You had the number three pick, so hard to screw that up. Um, so far, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really seeing it. I'm not seeing the Tampa method being implemented successfully. Um, so At all. No, at yeah, all. It, at least not so far. He's $10 million to the wrong guys <laughs> year after year. So not quite understanding that, but um, we'll see what Kluber contributes the rest of the year, if anything at all. I don't rule out a DFA. I, I know people say, oh, the, the money's too much. Who cares? But, you know, at this point, sometimes you just eat the money and you eat the mistake. Right. It's kind of what I'm hoping they do. Um, right. So with that, we, we talked about the standings a little bit. We hinted at it earlier. The standings are really interesting across baseball right now because it seems like there's just a couple of divisions dominating and everyone else is just very mid to you know, below average. The AL East is one of them. The, the AL East is a really strong division. The Red Sox are in fourth place at 26 and 24. Tampa and Baltimore are at the top. Tampa obviously got off to a huge start. Um, you know, as of this recording, they're 36 and 15. Baltimore's 32 and 17, three games back. They're the, you know, second best team in baseball. We talked about the AOS, Texas Rangers on top, not the Astros, the Rangers, 31 and 18. You know, Houston's climbing their way back up. They just got L2VA back off the IL. That's a big gain for them. But then the AL Central. The Twins have the, an identical record to the Red Sox, 26 and 24. They're in first place. That division is garbage. Detroit is in second place. Detroit is 22 and 25, and they're in second place. That's how bad that division is, which, again, we, we alluded to our preseason show where we got a lot of stuff wrong. Um, I predicted the White Sox to turn things around this year. That's, that's going well. That's that's going well. They're 21 and 30. So yay for me. Um, and then National League is no different. Braves are on top again. AL East is kind of mid but beyond that. The AL the NL West is strong. Dodgers, Diamondbacks, even the Giants are contending. But the NL Central is garbage. You know, the Brewers are on top, but 27 and 22, they're nothing special. So it's kind of a weird year where it's like there's just two, maybe three divisions that are dominating and everyone else just falls into this big bucket of just average. So I guess the question is like, can the Red Sox kind of peel themselves out of that? You know, not be just one of these average teams, maybe sneak in a wild card, or are we going to see a year where you can basically just go through, pick the division winners, and that's going to be a World Series matchup? Uh, there's a lot to kind of discuss, unpack from that question because you, you already talked about the the fact that the, the Red Sox have the fourth best record out of five and they're tied with the fourth best record in the AL East. And that's better than some better than some divisions or tied with some division leads. You know, the, the Minnesota Twins at one point, I, I remember tweeting that the Red Sox are the same record. Actually, they were half a game better than the, the Los Angeles Dodgers. We were in fourth place. Dodgers were three games ahead of the next best team. There are some teams that have figured out a way to build the perfect team, and you talked about it just a couple moments ago, and make no mistake, you're absolutely right. Some teams suck for a decade. Houston Astros just completely throw it for three years and get three top picks every year. Um, the Red Sox went from being a team that would spend a lot of money, get a lot of talent, and try to win a lot of ball games. And then we kind of deviated from that a little bit, got a couple of chess pieces that were a little bit different looking, discolored or whatever, and we tried to do well. And then we went with the whole tactic of we're not going to buy anyone, we're not going to overspend, and now you're seeing the result of that. 
The American League East is, without a question, the most difficult division now. This is the only division with three 30-game winners in Major League Baseball. We're the only one with more than one. I mean, there are only four teams that have thirty win- more than 30 wins. Three of those teams are in the American League. The Rays, the Orioles are in the same division. Texas Rangers we've been talking about as well. And then the Dodgers. The Dodgers have spent a dumb amount of money. The Rangers have spent a dumb amount of money. The Tampa Bay Rays and the Baltimore Orioles have not, and it's worked. The Red Sox need to spend money, and we're going to have to probably trade some pieces. We're not going to be happy about trading. If you want to get a premier pitcher, you're going to have to say goodbye to Marcelo Mayer. Bobby Dalpik is probably going to be in some form trade package, not nearly as valuable. Jaron Duran, probably going to get sent away as well, and they're going to ask for top pieces. I don't think they're going to get our, our, our pitcher who's about to go up to Worcester. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think that's a major no. Marcelo Mayer, if he's off the table, no one's going to trade with us because in order for us to get a top-tier pitcher, they're going to want something in return of future value, and Marcelo Mayer is that player. The Red Sox can't do it without buying. That, that's, that's been made abundantly clear, and we were talking about it when we talked about the rotation. Three or four by way of the trade. One was an international signing. One was homegrown. Like, that's pretty much it. We have one of the worst pitching programs in baseball. The Texas Rangers, we make fun of them because they can't do anything right. I mean, they just broke Kumar Rocker. He's done for the year. Um, Jacob DeGrom is coming back, and hopefully he comes back okay. Native Aldi's figured it out. I mean, he's doing fine. So as, as much crap as we give Texas for breaking people, they obviously have pitchers that can do some major work. If the Red Sox want to be a contender and the Red Sox want to be the next 30-game winner or 40-game winner in the American League East or baseball, they're going to have to pay. And it's going to be a very hefty price. And the, the thing that you and I think are pretty aligned on is the Red Sox aren't going to pay. We are not going to be paying premier pitching prices by shelling out our top three, four, five prospects. I don't know how Jer- you know J.J. Preller, and who I think is a scumbag, and some of these other GMs in baseball – get away with trading their 11th and 13th and 15th prospects and hold on to their top five. Like it blows my mind how the, the San Diego Padres got Juan Soto and they gave away, you know, they gave away nothing. They gave away, you know, Mackenzie Gore went away. Abrams went away. CJ Abrams went, but that was it for Juan Soto. Juan Soto who is arguably considered to be one of the best players, if not the best player in baseball. And he hasn't really been able to figure it out for almost a year. He literally almost looks lost. If you can say that ridiculous power, you know, 106% power on a scale of hundred, but like 42% contact ability. Like you're just hoping he can, he can hit the ball. But to your point, if we don't pay, we're not going to play in the playoffs. That's just it. And, and not, not with, three teams that are well above 500. I mean, some of these other divisions, I mean, NL East, you got one team that's hitting over over 600 there, you know, the Braves. The next two teams are hitting, are at 500, the Mets and the Marlins. Uh, Central, Pittsburgh, second place team, one game over 500. NL West, you have two teams, the the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks in a dogfight. But us, Tampa Bay, 21 games over 500. Baltimore, 15 games over 500. The Yankees in third place, nine games over 500. It's either you pay right now to get talent or you start playing for 24. Yeah. And I think the really telling thing about the standings is when you look at the teams that are on top, it's either teams like Baltimore and Tampa um, who draft and develop really well, or it's teams like Texas who went, hey, We've always had a good offense. We don't have any pitching. Let's go buy some. Because like you said, the Rangers, <laughs> they break every pitcher they draft. Like, I'm so pissed that they got uh, Jack Leiter because they're going to ruin that kid. Like, he, forget it. Jack Leiter is not going to have a career because the Rangers are going to break him. But you know what? They went out and they pay Nathan Avaldi. They pay Jacob DeGrom. They pay Andrew Heaney. They paid for Martin Perez. Like their whole rotation is guys that they just plucked from other organizations and went, yeah, we'll give them a contract. We'll make it work. 
And look at them now. They're on top of the AL West. Now, will it last? We'll see. I think Houston's still going to make a pretty strong run at some point. But right now, it's working. The Yankees, you know, famously, all they do is pay for talent. And they're in third place right now, but I don't think that's going to last. I think Baltimore is going to drop a little bit. Yankees will, be, Yankees will be right there. The only team you could say that it hasn't worked out for is Toronto. Toronto has paid for talent, and they've developed, and they find themselves right there with you. At least as of this recording, same record, last place in the AL East. Just lost eight of their last ten. And they've got... Vladdy Jr., Bo Bichette, you know, they, they they went out and signed Gosman. They signed Chris Bassett. They traded for Berrios. Hasn't been working. But they're like the one outlier. Everyone else who's on top of their division or is at least contending, that's how they do it. They either spend the money wisely, they pay for pitching or they pay for premium talent, or they draft and develop really well. And like we talked about earlier, you know, with the Kluber situation, it's like, the Red Sox right now, I don't think do any of that. They, you know, they haven't really, de- they haven't developed any pitching at all outside of Hauk, if you want to count him and Bayo. But, you know, all their free agent pitching signings don't work out. So that's really the most telling thing is like the, the Red Sox should be looking around at the rest of the league going, you know, Texas had no problem giving Nathan Evaldi $17 million. And look at what it's done for them. They're on top of their division right now. They paid for Jacob DeGrom, which a lot of people, including myself, admittedly, said, oh boy, really? You want to pay that guy? Good luck. But it's working. They might win the division this year. Something they haven't done in a long time. So, you know, sometimes it's like, yeah, it's it's risky. And a lot of people say, oh no, we don't want to take the risk. But I don't know. I want the Red Sox to win the division at some point soon. That would be nice. And sometimes that's what you have to do. So I think that they can take a look at the rest of the league and what's going on and say, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe we screwed up this past offseason. And hopefully they learn from it. And 2024 free agency, they fix it. They do something more. They, do out, they go out and, like we talked about, pay for one of those premium pitchers, Aaron Nolo, Luis Severino, whatever it may be, uh, Julio Urias. Like, maybe that's what they do. Because right now, their system is not working. So it's going to be interesting to see what, what shakes out as the year goes on. If the pitching and you know that all these teams paid for stays that way. And if the standings stay that way. But right now, it's an interesting test case that the combination of money and drafting is working for a lot of teams. And it's not working for the Red Sox. So something's got to change. Um, So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Bastards Roundtable. Um, The weekend crew will have you guys Monday morning. They'll be wrapping up the Arizona Diamondbacks series. So stay tuned for that. And we'll be back next week for the midweek show and another roundtable after that. So everyone, take care. We'll see you later.